last week you gave us a hot take. What was remind everyone? Maybe maybe we, they didn't listen to the episode last week. What was your hot take? Um, it was that syrup's not a condiment. Syrup is not. And I stand by that. That's very. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be wrong. Very reasonable. I no. (laughs) It's actually not. But the point of me bringing this up is not to have another debate with you on whether or not syrup is a condiment. We talked about this TikTok page called the Conversationalist. Y'all can look it up. And the Conversationalist goes to different people on college campuses and they're like, hey, drop a hot take, drop a hot take, drop a hot take. And these people will say like a couple phrases and they'll say things like syrup is a condiment or they'll they'll drop a hot take about politics or the, the, the hot takes can cover a wide spectrum. Yeah. Here's what I've realized about hot takes. Hot takes are pointless. Hot takes are the whole point of this TikTok page. The conversationalist is to have a conversation, but hot takes remove the ability to actually have a conversation. You're not wrong. It's a, it's a sentence and you make a you make a point that doesn't allow any nuance. Yeah. You scroll to the TikTok comments that you get what? Four sentences maybe. And now people are just angry and mad. Hot takes are bad. I I think you just came to the root of why everybody hates the internet. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> the internet is not a conducive medium for for like healthy dialogue, but it's clickbait. Exactly. It's it, clickbait in like takes, 140 characters. Hot takes on TikTok are Facebook comments. That's the equivalent for Gen Z. We're like, Ooh. yeah, arguments happen on Facebook between Karens and, and people on Twitter. No, no, no. Hot takes on TikTok, you're the same thing, okay? If you have a hot take on TikTok, you're the Karen on Facebook, just a little bit younger. Actually, uh, probably so, a lot younger. Let me let me throw this back at you then. Does that mean, can we do any sort of conversations, any sort of dialogue on TikToks, or does it just need to be like throwing it back on, on oh, TikTok? Absolutely. We should have conversations, but when we frame them right around this hot take kind of structure where we say syrup isn't a condiment and we draw the line there and we're not willing. See, see how this is full circle on you. I'm, I, I still draw the line on that. <laughs> I still <laughs> hot he's, takes. He's, he's bringing this up because he brought it up again yesterday at lunch and I did. We yelled at each other for 15 minutes in, in the middle of a, in a, in the middle uh, of a Jersey Mike's. Jimmy John's? Oh, no. <laughs> Jersey Mike's. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> we were arguing about what's better, Subway or Jimmy John's. And I've, I no, forget Jersey what Mike's. the points. Was it Jersey Mike's? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever the stupid <laughs> restaurant was. Um, but he's a little butthurt over it and he's bringing it well, up. Well, I bring up the hot take concept because i realized that this ties in really well with what we're going to be talking about today so before reagan you introduce our episode i will introduce myself hello my name is victor and i am a student pastor at a local church in north carolina with flawless transitions flawless flawless and uh, my name is reagan jones and i'm also a student pastor at a local church in north carolina and welcome to sanctified ish where we have hot takes with zero substance um and that is the <laughs> that is the whole purpose of our podcast. We just want to make you mad for forty minutes. Um, and welcome to the ride. Um, this is a really special episode today because this is the first one that was actually submitted by one of you. Yep. Um, 
This was sent in by an email. Um, and we think this is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important um, because I don't think we talk about this a ton in the church, um, which was said in the email, which is also just really warming to my heart um, that there gets to be space and dialogue for these things. Yeah. Um, so Vic, today we're, we're just going to be talking about words, their power, their purpose. Um, when we give people encouragement in the church, do we know the meaning of the words that we're telling them? Are we giving them false hope? Um, what, what, what is the power of words when we speak them? Um, yeah. I'm really excited about where this goes. Yeah, for sure. I, I have a, like a million different ideas running through my head and I think we need to start with just kind of defining the problem because in the email, the the writer actually brought up a word that I didn't even think about. Yeah. I knew like I, I think about the concept that words matter, that, you know, we use the wrong words and definitions are important. Like I think about that relatively often, but the word that the writer brought up, I hadn't even thought about. And so I think I think this issue spans a, a, a it covers a much larger part of our church culture. Yeah. And, and I think we need to talk about it. Well, so um, here's here's the reason behind that is that words is the primary way we communicate with other people. Um, it's the way we affirm people. It's the way we correct people. It's the way we communicate the promises of God. Like the promises of God are communicated to us through words. We speak them over one another through words. Um, and here's the thing about words. Words always have a meaning. Yeah. Um, like what's a, a scene from Infinity War with Thor? Um, when he's like, all words are made up, no words have meaning. Like every, every word <laughs> is completely made up because all the meanings are true, but we attach these words to them to give life to the meaning. So yeah. here's my point with that is that every word we speak has a true meaning and those meanings are derived from context. If we do not know the context of where the meaning comes from, we cannot accurately convey the word to one another. Yeah. So when we say things like God loves you, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, does that mean that he's just okay with everything? Does that mean he loves us unconditionally? Does that mean he loves us recklessly? Like, what does what does that mean? And I think here's the thing. We're very flippant with our words. Um, but God isn't. I think this is like the thing that always blows my mind, that the medium um, that God chose to communicate his truth to us is mm. through a Bible. It's through a word. It's through yeah. spoken meaning words. Um, and if we're going to understand his truth, I think we need to understand the words that are spoken so we can better communicate that to each other. Yeah. Well, you brought up a ton of really good points, but I love, I love what you said that God chose to communicate primarily to us yeah. through the Bible, which is literally words like that's yeah. it's a collection of words that God intentionally ordered to communicate who he is and what he's done to his people and literally the Bible is called like we often say it's the word of God like yeah God clearly has intention with everything that he does including the way that he communicates to us and if we are made in his image and we are called to look more like Jesus and Jesus was intentional with his words, then we mm -hmm. ought to also pursue after the same intentionality to make sure that we're communicating effectively and not confusing people. And the first thing I think of Reagan, and maybe you can speak to this, we've done an episode totally on worship. You should totally go watch it or listen to it. 
I'll link it in the show yeah. notes for you. But words in worship matter. Can yeah. you speak a little bit to that? Like when you're putting together a song or you're writing a song, the words that you put in that music yep. to attribute to yep. God matter. How do you 100%. reconcile that? How do you do that? What's your process? I mean, I know you're um, not. Well, you know, I'm a record no, label. I'm no star, Chris, I'm no Chris you know. Tomlin, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but so we, we've written uh, at the church that we're at, we've written about three to four songs with our student worship team. And each time the melody is always the easiest part. It's like just making sure it sounds good. The lyrical part is always like that goes through four to five different refinements. Um, because like the, what, what we want to communicate, that word is how that audience will receive it. So we may have one meaning when we're in the room and we're writing like, hey, we want to communicate the love of God. But the word that we choose, they're not the people listening to that song. They're not in the room with us. They don't know our heart. They don't know our goal. They don't know our purpose. But that word that we choose is the vehicle that will communicate the meaning. And so when those words don't mean what we intended them to mean, now we are communicating something different than what we intentionally wanted to do. And that's why we spend so much time on the little details, on the little words. Um, and then I think like the biggest example of that is like the debate that destroyed the Christian world like three years ago. Like is literally God's destroyed reckless? it, destroyed unnecessarily it. destroyed it, by destroyed the way. it. Um, and here's the thing, like, can you sing reckless love? Sure. We've done it at our church. We do it in our student ministry all the time. Um, but like, is that the best word to choose? I don't know. Because here's the thing. None of us know what Corey Asbury intended unless Corey Asbury will say like, this is what I meant by this. And I'm sure he's actually done that in interviews. Yeah. Um, but that word is the vehicle that would communicate his meaning. So when that word, that word is chosen and you get a lot of different interpretations out of that one word. That's where the debate comes into play was like, was that the best word to choose? Because you see people have seven, 17 different interpretations of what reckless actually means. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the interesting thing here with this too is, is as pastors, whether you're student pastor, worship pastor, wherever you fall, you're responsible for the things that you hand to your congregation. And so if you choose a song like reckless love, knowing that it has a very high likelihood to confuse people within your congregation, then that is your responsibility to choose whether or not to sing that song on Sunday morning, because you're ultimately responsible for the flock, right? You okay, can hold, make hold up. Hold up. Let, let, let me twist that a little bit. So let's go old hymns. Um, yeah. When, when we have these words that we don't use anymore, like don't I'm even thinking know what of 14, they mean. we don't know what they mean. Can we sing hymns when we have 14 year olds in churches that have never heard the word thine before? What the heck is a thine? So like yeah. they are singing these things when they don't know the words. So I think that argument that you're using there can actually even be flipped on itself when it's like, well, uh, the only reason I don't think so is because it is the pastor's job, regardless of whether it was a song written in the yeah. 40 AD or 2020, 
to define things. Worship, yeah. the worship set at the beginning of the service isn't just song. The worship pastor should feel the freedom to be like, hey, there's a word in this song y'all don't know. It's confusing. Yep. This is what this means. This That's is why good, we sing this, right? That's good. Babe. So whether we do that with the word thine, because yeah, you're totally right. A 10-year-old has no clue what that means, right? It's just a filler yeah. word to them. Yeah. But if 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 we're willing to do that with thine, then we should be willing to do it with the word reckless. Hey, this is where this is what Corey Asbury here in this song is trying to get at. Jesus yep. leaves the 99 to chase after the one because he loves you. He chases yep. after you. He pursues you. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing about the gospel. But when you yeah. toss the word reckless in there, it gets confusing. So it's the mm -hmm. pastor's responsibility to shepherd his flock through that. Yep. And well, I, ultimately that falls on them. I I love the the image you kind of pastor like you you said there about like the it's the it's the pastor's job to shepherd his people um through the meaning of the word. Because here's the thing, there's not one word that can perfectly encapsulate the love of God. Um like it even the word love, the word yeah. agape doesn't fully capture what God's love is. So I think anytime we're communicating truths about God, it's like, Hey, like, yes, his love, like it is reckless because he does leave the 99, which is a reckless thing to do because you have 99 sheep and he leaves these people to go find the one. And that communicates a truth about God. Um, I think one thing I want to throw it back to you. Yeah. When it's not pastors, when yeah. it's not people in ministry context, here's a beautiful thing about the church is that we're not built around pastors. We're built around people. Um, and so when well, people Baptists. in the church, well, ba yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at you Methodists. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> when, when people in the church, I've, I've gotten this before. It's like, Hey man, I got a word for you. Like the Lord has spoken to me. I got a word for you. Um, and he's, he begins to speak over me truths from the scriptures to my life. This is like, hey, man, the Lord's going to bless you. The Lord's going to keep you. The Lord's going to uphold you. The Lord loves you. Yeah. But he's not my pastor. Yeah. How do we go about engaging those conversations in healthy ways, interpreting the meaning of that? Because what he speaks over me might be a very different thing than what I receive. Yeah. Um, how do we engage in those kinds of conversations? <laughs> yeah, I've had similar things happen to me, especially, you know, if I, I was visiting in my old church and I was preaching, I'd get off stage and there would be like a line of people would be like, hey, I just got something for you. I just got a word for you. like that. And people would line up. Right. And it's like, how yeah. do you how do you hear those things? How do you interpret those things? I think the first step is actually listening hear what he, that person has to say. There's not a problem yeah. with that. Um, the second thing is ask questions. Hey, if, if someone's like, Hey, the Lord's going to bless you. Hey man, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Like, can you like, take me, like, take me a step further. I, I hear that word all the time. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What, what did the Lord tell you? Because that doesn't necessarily paint the full picture. And so ask questions because I guarantee you there have been times in my life, especially when this has happened, where the person is like, like it, like they are speaking a word to me. It's true. Right. It's coming from a genuine place. There have also been times 
where that has not been true and they have people have spoken <laughs> words to me and they don't know what they're talking about right but yeah. it's like we can't we can't understand the meaning of what they're trying to say if we don't ask what they're trying to say and That's so good. there's some responsibility there on our part and that responsibility is to ask clarifying questions especially when we hear churchy words like blessed that mm. we like even sitting here doing a word study is a difficult word to define holistically. Yeah. You can define it yeah. contextually really easy, but yeah. a holistic definition of the word blessing is a difficult thing to kind of formulate because we use it so dang often. It's, it's so frustrating. Well, <laughs> and I think that's like, that's part of the problem is like, I think you see, in preaching and churches and just Christian culture in general, God wants you to be blessed yeah. or God wants you to be happy or God loves you. Yeah. And like, we have these Christian things that are true, but like one church can say it and it can mean a totally different thing than the church down the road, but the Bible hasn't changed. Um, yeah. And I think that's where like, you bring up something like unique with blessed because there's like, there's different ways that the Lord blesses people. There's different ways that we receive blessing. Like we bless God with praise. Um, like people who bless obey other people. get blessings. We bless other people. Yeah. Like there isn't always like a two plus two equals four equation when it comes to blessing. Um, but I think the unique thing is we, we use these words so flippantly with one another for the purpose of trying to encourage one another. Like it comes from a really good place. But do we actually know and understand what these words mean? So Vic, like what, give us a list of like, what are like the top five words in the church right now that we use really often, but we just don't have, I think definitions of it. And then where do we go from there? How do we find definitions of these things? How do we use them appropriately? How do we, how do we encourage one another with these truths? Yeah. I mean, blessed is probably up there. Like I said, it's not one, Hashtag it's blessed. not like a, Watch the video podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, it wasn't a word that I would have necessarily tagged as being overused in the church. But it yeah. when it was brought to my attention, it definitely, definitely is. Um, yeah, I think. Let me know your thoughts on this one. When we're. Maybe five is going to be a lot just because I'm. Or it's yeah, just because I'm thinking through this. When we say you just need to accept Jesus as your savior, and we just kind of leave it at that, we say that yeah. a lot. A lot. We say that a lot, a lot. And yeah, yeah, it's true. That's what the Bible talks about. But what does it mean? Like when we look at Romans, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. Like for with the mouth, one confesses and with the heart, one believes. Like when we talk about accepting Jesus into your heart and that's it, like that's all you have to do to get saved. Well, well, yes, but what, like, give me a little bit more. Um, I don't know. That's one, (laughs) that's one that comes to my head. What about you? Um, honestly, it's a little bit on the same one, but it's just like, y'all got to get saved. Yeah. Like we say like, Jesus saved me. Jesus said like, yes, he did. But hun, you you've been living the same way for the last 10 years. <laughs> like that, that, that's, that's not, that's not what that means. And you I'm like, the hun. we, we, yeah, come on, hun. that's one of my favorite <laughs> words. I really do. Uh, I've been hanging out with scrap too much. Um, 
but I think even like even going back to blessings a little bit, it's like there was like this era of Instagram and like 2010 through 2013. There was like you can see someone sitting on a bench with their ice cream cone saying like hashtag blessed. And I'm like, here's the thing, like the Lord gives good things to his children. And like, is that what it means to be blessed? Like, can you still be blessed and go through hard things? Like, is the ice cream the reward of your blessing? Or is your relationship with the Lord that you just get to commune with him? And yeah, you're having having ice cream with that. Is that your blessing? Um, I um, I think that to me, like saved and blessing, like those are the two right off the top of my head that I think we just use a lot in the church that we have no idea what they actually mean. Yeah, but here's here's my follow up with that is I think there's a lot of words in there that would fall into that category. How do we actually figure out what these mean? Because I think the, yeah. the the problem that you and I have kind of ran into is like you find different meanings at different times in Scripture for different words. Um, so how do we find the proper use of these words so that we can use them accordingly? Yeah, I think if a couple you have a couple options here. I think one, there is just a legitimate sense of contextual interpretation. And this is the hardest one, right? Because you can interpret something one way and they can interpret something another way. The easiest example of this is when you're having a text conversation and you're trying to imply sarcasm, but you actually like hurt someone's feelings. You implied, you said something contextually and the person hearing it interpreted, interpreted it contextually a different way. But I do think there's a time and place for this, especially in conversation where you don't have a dictionary or you can't Google something. There is a time and place for this, but it requires a relatively high level of, especially like Christian maturity to be able to interpret those things. Um, I would say the, the thing that I have done historically has been, if I'm sitting in a sermon or a service and the pastor says a word that I don't understand, that I don't understand in context or that I want to look up later. I'll just write it down, write it on my notes, type it in my phone, text it to myself, set a reminder, something, because that's something that I want to look up and follow up because as a congregant, I have the responsibility to fact check the pastor. Like I got to take what, what the, what the pastor says, I got to hold it up to scripture. And we, we want to make sure that those two things line up. And if I don't understand the words that he's saying, then I can't do that. Right. And so I'll literally go home and I'll Google it. I'll just, I'll open up Google type in, and then I'll just blue letter Bible is a great resource. It's free blue letter Bible.com. It's got an online Christian dictionary. It'll give you passages. It's, it's great. I'll link it in the show notes, but that's a tool that I use um, to help define words that I don't know, especially when, bro, you listen to John Mark Homer and he's dropping mm-hmm. like 10 syllable words. And I thought yeah. I was smart. Like I thought I was a little smart. And he, John Mark Homer just reminds you of how dumb you actually are. Um, <laughs> well, I, I love that you talk about like the responsibility of people, especially when it comes to preaching. Um, Cause I got fact checked by one of my students in a sermon like three or four weeks ago. And I've never been yeah. <laughs> more, I've never been more humbled in my entire life, but also so proud. I'm just yeah. like, you, you're doing it. Good job. You but did also it. don't, yes. don't ever do that again. <laughs> it was so confusing in my heart. Um, but I think that's a, that's a really good point. I, I think 
obviously doing your research on one end. I think the flip side of that is a lot of us, like Christianity is a culture. It is a subset of the culture at large. Um, and I was a rhetoric major in college. And so there's a guy by the name of David Foster Wallace, um, who's like a philosopher and teacher, like really famous dude. And he has this like illustration of a fish that swims in water that is like, does the fish understand that they, that they're wet in the moment? Like, do they understand around them? Like, oh no, I'm swimming in the water. Or is this because what they've always known, do they just know this as life? Like they don't know they're a fish swimming in the ocean. And I think this is a similar thing with Christians, especially those of us who have grown up in the church, um, that we've always grown up, like even the word sanctification, the word in our podcast, it's like, that is such a Christian-y word, but like it isn't, it's a churchy word and it's not defined. God loves you is a churchy word and it's not defined. But so many of us, it's just the culture and the water that we swim around in. And we use these words, not actually knowing what they mean because we've been swimming in that culture our entire lives. Um, That's good. And I think that's, that's something that like a little bit of a peek behind the curtain a little bit, understand the context and the culture of the words that you are sharing with other people because there's beautiful truths and promises behind those words. And I don't want you to know the word. I want you to yeah. know the meaning behind it. Um, I think a really good example of that is like, I had a student um, who came up to me and like, he was trying to figure out where to go to college. Um, and he's like, Hey man, like, I was like, Hey bro, like how you feel? And he's like, man, it's God's plan. And I'm like, bro. Oh, that's another, that's a good one. <laughs> God, well, I'm like, that's Christianese bro, right plan, there. What does that Christianese, mean? And I was like, I was like, dude, God's plan is a Drake song. That's not, that doesn't mean anything. That yeah. means absolutely nothing. So it's like, does God have a plan for you? Yes. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Does that mean that God's plan is to bring good things into my life at all times? That yes, God does have a plan for you, but do you actually know what God's plan means? But yet we use that as a validation for the, the steps that we're going to take in life or as an encouragement to ourselves that everything is going to be okay. I don't want you to just know that God has a plan. I want you to know the truth of scripture that like he is sovereign yeah. and like he is providential, which means that like he is on the throne and he is working things together in life for your good. Like that's what his plan means. Um, yeah. But man, I, I just think we're, we're, we're comfortable to swim around in the water so often. And we get comfortable. And then once we're comfortable, we don't know how to get uncomfortable. <laughs> like once we're there, yeah. it's very difficult to go back. Um, can I, can I, have I a throw question. a question at you real quick? Oh, yeah. Here, I, I, I want to throw one at you real quick. Um, so I think you, yeah, you yeah. touched on this earlier. Academic language. So I think we've, we've yeah. seen this like, in preaching sometimes. You mentioned John Mark Comer. When you yeah. mentioned something of like, so high, 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 high level that you mentioned transubstantiation when it comes to yeah. communion, why we do what we do. What the heck is transubstantiation? Do we <laughs> use these like biblically accurate words that nobody knows what they mean? Um, or do we have to dumb down our language, quote unquote, to present yeah. it to people um, in a church? Yeah, you really get into like preaching philosophy 
with that question because I've seen it done on both sides. So when I was preparing my first sermon that I ever preached, I was in 11th grade at my home church and I was preparing the sermon and I went to my pastor and I handed him my notes and I was like, here, destroy my sermon, make it better. We sat down and he was going through it and I used the word sanctification. And he, he wrote in there, he was like, you need to define what this word is preach to my to preach to the congregation as if they were in eighth grade, not because the congregation was stupid. It's because you have such a wide array of people sitting there that you need yeah. to use language that reaches the broadest amount of people in your congregation. And so yeah. that was his philosophy. He was like, I never write a sermon that I don't think an eighth grader could understand. However, I'm taking a master class right now, and John Mark Homer is is a teacher of that master class. He's one of them. Yeah. And he argues quite the opposite. He actually is like, no, like, don't treat your congregation yeah. like they're dumb. Don't don't dumb things down for them. People people are smart. They might not be theologically fluent. Right. But people aren't dumb. And so his philosophy is actually to treat his congregation like they're where he uses words where, where they're probably more on the smarter end. And, and here's the thing. I think it's contextual because well, that's exactly what I was about to say. 100%. Be, yeah. Because you could, you could have a congregation that's primarily doctors, yep. primarily like young adults who are working on their master's degree. You could be in a college town where high academia is really valued. And, and that's yep. where, yeah, if you dumb down your sermons, you're probably going to miss some people. Mm-hmm. But man, if you're not in an academically savvy place, maybe you're in the yep. suburbs, maybe like you're not in the city and maybe your congregation doesn't need yep. words like transubstantiation. Use the word define yep. what it means. So whenever I'm yep. preaching, I'll use sanctification as a perfect example. I'll say God wants to sanctify you. He wants you to look more like Jesus. Yep. You don't have to say Here's what sanctification means. You just yep. tie them together, put the definition with the word. Um, and so that, that would be my kind of approach there. I don't know. Do you have any kind of additional thoughts? No, I think, I think that's so nuanced um, because I think so. All right, so even take where we're at. Both of us are in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh is very transient where there's a lot of people moving in. It's actually, I think like the most, I could be wrong on this. It's like the fastest it's like, growing it's like the fastest growing city and like the most PhDs per capita. Um, it is, yep. Like it's like like there's this high concentration of like very intellectually smart people. Combine that with the Bible Belt, where it's yeah. like you have these high high intellect people, but also like our sixth graders know they they've at least heard of sanctification. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where like when you're talking about context and how do we share these things, like especially like at the church that. That, that we serve at, like we can use the word like sanctification because they've heard it before because they're in the Bible belt. Um, and we can use that word because they come from smart families and smart parents, but we need to also define what it is because they come from the Bible belt and they've heard it so much and they actually don't know what yeah. it means. Um, yeah. Or you take something like Comer who's out in Seattle and there's no Bible belt. There's no uh, theological upbringing, history, anything like that, but everybody's super smart. Everybody's like very transient. Um, so yeah. you can use those words. Um, so I, I love the idea of contextualizing it. 
Um, and I think even to, to bring it out of a, a pastoral realm for a second, even if you're having a conversation with a friend, you contextualize those words, you contextualize those blessings that you're speaking over them to the specific person. Um, yeah. Because here's here's like my hope and my prayer for this a little bit um, is that I love words. Words have meaning. Um, words are the medium that we get to communicate the message of God's love to people. Um, and because we take the message so valuable and it's so highly, and we want people to know that we need to take that much more care of the words that we speak. We need to craft them. We need to sharpen our tools so that we can communicate that message effectively, um, to the different people that in the different contexts that we're going to, um, but no, I, I think you nailed it on the head right there, man. Well, to kind of round the, the corner here, I have a question for you. So when I was eight years old, before I went to bed, I'd sit down, I'd lay down in bed. I'd ask my parents to come tuck me in because that's what we did. <coughs> and thanks. And I would pray my prayer and I would say, um, oh, what was it? It was like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord yeah. my soul to keep. And, and my prayer was God, would you, you know, I pray for grandma and grandpa, well, and Nanu, and I would go through my prayer. Yeah. And I memorized it, memorized it. I, I knew every word of that prayer. And I think we do that today before mm-hmm. we eat a meal. I think our prayers have lost a lot of meaning because we're mm-hmm. praying the same thing. So, Interesting. Can you speak just a little bit to the intentionality when it comes to our words in prayer specifically? Um, I'm really glad you brought this up. We might be here for another 30 minutes. Um, it's so important, I feel like. Well, and I think it's a little bit more nuanced. So it's like my, my grandma was the same way. Um, yeah. She said the same prayer for everything in yep. every situation it was dear lord we thank thee for our care the food we eat the clothes we wear be blessed with us everywhere like she rhymed Ooh, it. i like that one the, yeah it's like she, grandma had bars um but like hey, grandma she would she would say it in all circumstances no like food weddings everything um and then I, the, the college that I went to, Wheaton College, was very liturgical. I didn't grow up liturgical. Liturgical just means like um, reciting different phrases. Um, so you have like a, a phrase that you say at the beginning of a service, a phrase that you say at the end of the service. When somebody reads their Bible, you say, this is the word of the Lord. The congregation responds, thanks be to God. Um, yep. I think there's two levels to this conversation. I think there's one where we can sit down at our at our food and say dear lord thank you for this food you're a really cool dude amen and yep. it can be a comfortability where the words are meant to express a love for god that our words get lazy um because our heart is distant um <laughs> and your your words will reflect the condition of your heart um even if it's not like I mean, like you and I have talked about this, like words, the prayer doesn't have to be this long, eloquent novel to God. Right. Like if you look at Jesus in the garden, he says, father, if possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. It's one sentence. Yeah. But the words that he uses in that convey a heart that's like, Lord, I really, I would like to live (laughs) if there's another way, but not my will, but your will be done. So it, it was short, but the words conveyed a heart. Um, so let's not let our words become comfortable. Uh, because we don't want our hearts to drift. 
The second part of that is I think there's actually something really beautiful to liturgy, to saying the same thing over and over and over again, like book of common prayer. Like there's a book back there on my piano behind me called the Valley of vision. And it's just like, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, And it's done by these Puritans and it's like every page is a different prayer. And like, bro, I just read that every day. Um, because those same words are meant to grow my heart towards God in a different way. I yeah. think where we get into trouble is when the words become the same and our heart doesn't move. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's where that conversation becomes a little, a little different. Yeah. I, I love liturgy. Um, it's a coffee shop, but it's also, <laughs> the thing that we do in prayer um, it is a coffee shop and I, love, I love i love both of them um yeah. there is a book it's very similar to valley of vision it's called moments of the holy there's a part one and part two yeah. and it has liturgy so first of all i'll link it the amazon i'm gonna there's gonna be lots of links today because this book is phenomenal um, it has a when you wake up liturgy. It has a mid afternoon liturgy. It has a when you go to bed liturgy. It has a when you drink your morning coffee liturgy. Amen. It has Amen. it has a national tragedy liturgy. It, I thought the I thought you were going to say national treasure. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it's like I need to get this book ASAP. Okay. Well, if you don't know what church we work at now, that's your fault. Um, no, what. The really cool thing about this litter, this book is that it has a liturgy for almost every moment yeah. of life, every moment of your day. And what it does is it teaches you when you drink your morning coffee to do it in worship. Yeah. Right. Like, like that's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and that's what liturgy is like pointed to do. It's to cause you to fall deeper in love with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and when you read liturgy, you're like, man, I've never heard this type of prayer worded like this before because it's just beautiful. Like the authors yeah. and writers of liturgies are just great. That's how we should also kind of feel towards the Psalms and Proverbs. They're just yeah. beautiful, especially when you read the Psalms in their original languages and you just see the poetic structure that mm. a lot of these Psalms are written in. They're just gorgeous. And the reason they're gorgeous is because that's part of the thing that makes you fall deeper in love with Jesus. Um but I, I totally agree that I think our prayers can get lazy mm-hmm. and in the same way we can read a book of liturgy and just read the words in a very lazy and lackadaisical way. We can yeah. also approach our time in the word. We can approach before we eat a meal. That's a pretty common prayer time before we go to bed. We can approach these really intentional times with the Lord that we are blessed to have. Mm-hmm. And 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 really it just shows how distant we are from him yeah um and so that's i don't know it's just i've been developing this like theology of prayer and what does it look like to pray intentionally and i think this conversation and the words we choose to pray play a huge role in how we approach the throne because we have the opportunity to approach the throne Mm -hmm. so we should do it intentionally well man i i struggle with prayer a lot sometimes because I'm going through something in my heart and my head, but I don't know how to communicate it to God. And so oftentimes it just comes across as like, Lord, I need you. 
or like, Lord, I need you to move or like, I need you to work. I need you to do something. Um, and I think one thing that I've kind of seen practically that's helped me with it is like the Lord has already given you words to pray, yeah. pray a Psalm, um, pray yeah. his words back to you. Um, because he knows the meanings of the words he wrote them. Yeah. Um, and it will conform your heart and your prayers to the words that will communicate that meaning to God. Um, so that's been something that like, if you struggle with prayer, like me to actually like put into words, the things that you're feeling, um, praying a Psalm has been life changing. Um, absolutely life changing to help give my prayer yeah. some direction and structure. Um, and even more like verbal meaning. One thing that has been really encouraging to me kind of coming off of that is Romans eight twenty six and 27. Um, it reads in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And yeah. he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Yeah. It's like, and sometimes you won't know what to pray. Going to the Psalms and praying scripture back to God is great. Um, that's, that's what I encourage my students to do, but it's like, man, when we are lost and hurting and suffering and don't know where to go, we don't even want to yeah. open our Bible. The spirit intercedes for us. Like the God of the universe prays on our behalf in accordance to his own will. Yeah. It's like, what is better than that? <laughs> it's like, man, yeah. That is incredible. And well, so I, I don't want to undervalue this entire podcast 41 minutes into this. Um, <laughs> but I think that's where it's like words is not the only way that God cares for his people and communicates with yeah. his people. Like he's given us his spirit. And like, that's like the spirit is the thing that drives the word. Like the spirit is the thing that's inside you and me. And like what Vic is saying, like when you don't have the words to pray, the spirit will pray for you. He will pray on your behalf. Yeah. He will intercede. Um, and so we want to take care of our words because that's the way that we can communicate with one another. That's the way we get to like read our Bible and interpret our Bible. But like in the caring for our words, we should never devalue the role of the spirit and the importance of the spirit. And I'm like, just speaking to Baptist yeah. circles specifically, we think the yeah. whole, we think the Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. Um, it isn't. Like the Bible is incredibly important, but it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit like wrote the Bible. Um, yeah, and like that's that's the important thing that like we want to take care of our words, but we don't want to devalue the role of the Holy Spirit as well. Well, I think that's a good note to kind of close out today on. Um, as we've been talking, I've been writing down Christianese words. Christianese is the, <laughs> uh, is the I guess it's the language that Christians I think Christianese is a Christianese word. Yeah, let's hear it. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, number one, hedge of protection. Ooh, how about, how about this? I'm, I'm going to say some words and then you define them. All right. <laughs> hedge of protection. Uh, God's got me covered. That's another, oh, that's, that's another one. Everybody. <laughs> Hold up. This, <laughs> try, try, try to define Christianese words without using Christianese words. You can't. You, you can't. can't. We have like, uh, traveling mercies. <laughs> Travel. We have lay hands on. That's a good one. Uh, fellowship. Ooh. We've we, that, that, now we're getting into some more serious I'm, ones. I'm Quiet time. 
what 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 even is quiet time we say it way too often oh wow um this one i i googled this one i don't think this is christianese i've never said this before <laughs> missional community group <laughs> what what, you, what even is that what is a missional community group i've never ever oh, used gosh. that one um soul winning Amen. Soul winning. I've used that one well, a couple times. <laughs> I I used that in a meeting one time. I was like, hey, <laughs> y'all, we're going for souls. <laughs> this person next to me looked at me and was like, what? <laughs> like, That's what demons like, do. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, bro, you're Christian. You should know this. Don't, don't, don't give me that. <laughs> but it's, so, it's uh, so true, though. Like, You can't define these words without using Christianese words. It's, um, it's hilarious some of these yeah. words are funny um you'll like i said you'll have you'll have a ton of people um say that you shouldn't use like hedge of protection in prayers and i respond to that with if your heart is genuine and you are pursuing after the lord you can oh here's the thing that I, word. <laughs> I use that i use that all the time in my prayers it's like people get I'm, so upset yeah no I, so upset it's biblical. It's biblical. <laughs> like you're praying that the, the out original of a Greek says hedge of protection. Yes. Like, <laughs> and even like the way that the Lord covered David, the way he put a hedge around David, like God protects his people. Like that's a thing that I would pray in my personal private prayers. Like that's not, not a bad thing to pray at all. Um, <sighs> yeah, totally agree. Well, Guys, thank you so much for listening to us go on about words and the importance of them for 45 minutes. If you made it this far, you are a true OG. Thank you for for listening. Guys, we're on TikTok. We post TikTok clips uh, weekly. You can find us there, sanctified-ish on TikTok. You can email us. This whole episode was in response to an email like we had noted. You can email us at sanctified-ish or I guess it's not at it's sanctified ish at gmail.com. Send us your questions. Maybe you totally, totally disagreed with something we talked about today. Email it to us. Still give us a five-star review. We need that for our egos, but email us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to learn. This is something that I don't think Reagan or I would say that we've perfected. Um, We've just had the opportunity to think on these things and um, hopefully got to share a little bit of that with you here today. Well, we say it every episode, and I mean it more and more each and every time. Until next time, take care and God bless.